Hello, this is Snigdha from Newslaundry.com bringing you your daily dose of news. Today is Thursday, the 30th of July. India, for the first time today, recorded more than 50,000 new cases of COVID-19. With this, the country's tally has climbed up to more than 15,83,000. The death toll is also inching closer to 35,000 with more than 700 fresh fatalities. The number of recoveries, however, has crossed the 10 lakh mark. The government late on Wednesday released the guidelines for Unlock 3. It allowed gymnasiums and yoga institutes to function from 5th of August and revoked the night curfew. However, all other activities banned earlier continue to remain prohibited, including metro rail, cinema halls, swimming pools, entertainment parks, theatres, bars, auditoriums and assembly halls. Schools and colleges too shall remain shut till the 31st of August. In contrast to the announcement, Maharashtra government has said that indoor gymnasiums and other fitness centres will remain closed in the next phase of Mission Begin Again, keeping only outdoor centres for exercise and gymnastics open. In an effort to understand how coronavirus treatment can be improved, the Indian Council of Medical Research, or ICMR, in collaboration with the Health Ministry and All India Institute of Medical Sciences, has planned to roll out a project to create a rigorous database of COVID-19 patients admitted in hospitals across the country. The project, a national clinical registry, will also serve as a crucial platform to conduct clinical trials to study the effectiveness of newer therapies being used as a part of treatment for the disease. Amid the surge in COVID cases, the Indian Premier League had been postponed to September. The Indian Cricket Board, meanwhile, has prepared key norms in the standard operating procedure, which is to be sent to the IPL franchisee owners soon. Some of the key norms include no fans inside the stadiums, at least at the beginning, commentators to sit six feet apart in studios, less crowded dugouts, not more than 15 players in a dressing room, post-match award presentations to follow strict social distancing norms, and four COVID tests in two weeks for all players. Keeping the suspension of flights intact, Kolkata's Netaji Subhash Chandra International Airport announced that it will suspend flight operations for seven days in August when there will be a complete lockdown in West Bengal. The dates on which flights won't operate from the airport are August 5th, 8th, 16th, 17th, 23rd, 24th and 31st. Despite the country readying itself for the third phase of unlocking, in Tamil Nadu, Chief Minister Edapi Palaniswamy extended the lockdown till August 31st. India's largest car maker, Maruti Suzuki, suffered a first quarter net loss of over 249 crore rupees. This is the first time that it has registered a loss in at least 15 years as the coronavirus pandemic slowed down car sales. The company said it was partially offset by lower operating expenses and higher fair value gain on the invested surplus. Now coming to an ongoing crisis that has more often than not gone unnoticed by the mainstream media. The flood situation in Assam and Bihar remains grim. According to the state's disaster management authorities, six more people were killed in floods in both the states combined on Wednesday. The death toll in Assam has risen to 107. Although the number of people affected by the flood reduced from over 19 lakh on Tuesday to little over 16 lakh on Wednesday, 21 districts in the state continue to remain affected by the deluge. More than 37,000 people are still in relief camps. The floods in Assam have submerged 1,536 villages and damaged close to 93,000 hectares of agricultural land. 
The death toll from the floods in Bihar, meanwhile, rose to 11 on Wednesday as three new deaths were reported from Darbhanga district. In Bihar, more than 38 lakh people across 12 districts have been affected by the calamity. Heavy rains also hit parts of Kerala on Wednesday, causing disruptions in rail and road traffic. The Indian Met Department has issued a red alert for Iduki district. In Kochi, several busy traffic areas became waterlogged. Railway officials have told that huge rocks had piled up on a railway track on Wednesday morning, disrupting train services between Kottayam and Ernakulam. While most of mainstream media seems to turn a deaf ear to the Assam floods, it was the local media that gave the tragedy a human face and called the government to account. Grim, serious, critical, unchanged. These are the words that consistently feature in mainstream news headlines both national and local year after year when describing the floods in Assam. Coverage is usually limited to images devoid of their human context and statistics. The floods, whether in Kerala, Bihar or Assam, are given the same nonchalant approach as the annual monsoons, skipping the socio-political aspects of the issue. Catastrophes rarely occur in isolation and it is no different in Assam. With some exceptions, mainstream news organizations tend to confine the death toll to a ticker during primetime news. But it is the local media in Assam that allows the people suffering in inundated villages to articulate their stories. To find out more about it, do read Supriti David's report titled Assam Floods, How the Local Media Gave Space for Affected People to Articulate Their Stories. You'll find the report on newslaundry.com. And while you're on our website, dear listeners, please do check out all the other stuff we do. We have a bunch of interesting podcasts, interviews and other ground reports, often highlighting issues that mainstream media tends to miss because of their TRP-based model. News Laundry, on the other hand, is an ad-free, reader-supported news and media critique platform. We completely depend on people who understand the role of independent media platforms in a healthy democracy. So go through our website and if you like the stuff we do, do show us your support by hitting that subscribe button on the top right corner of the website. Thank you in advance. Taking a jibe at the Rafale deal, Congress leader Rahul Gandhi, who has repeatedly accused the centre of corruption in the matter, on Wednesday asked the government three questions after the first batch of the fighter jets landed in India. Gandhi repeated the questions that he had asked the government ahead of the 2019 Lok Sabha elections. He tweeted, and I quote, Congratulations to the Indian Air Force for Rafale. Meanwhile, can the government of India answer? Number one. Why does each aircraft cost 1,670 crore rupees instead of 526 crore rupees? Number two, why were 36 aircrafts bought instead of 126? Number three, why was bankrupt Anil Ambani given a 30,000 crore contract instead of Hindustan Aeronautics Limited or HAL? Unquote. The Rafale fighter jet deal had become a major issue of contention during the Lok Sabha elections last year. Rahul Gandhi had infamously used the phrase Chokidar Chor hai during his campaign to accuse Modi of corruption. He had also called for a joint parliamentary committee inquiry into the Rafale fighter jet deal after the Supreme Court dismissed a review petition of its December 2018 judgment upholding the purchase of 36 Rafale jets by the government. The petitioners, Yashwant Sinha, Arun Shori and advocate Prashant Bhushan, had alleged that the government concealed crucial facts in the case and misled the top court into giving a favourable verdict in December 2018. The first batch of five Rafale fighter jets from France landed in Ambala in Haryana on Wednesday. The fighter jets were escorted by two Sukhoi jets as they entered India's airspace. They will be officially inducted into the Indian Air Force in August. 
In a latest move, the Delhi Chief Minister Arvind Kejriwal on Thursday announced a reduction in value-added tax to 16.75%, which would make the price of diesel in the national capital cheaper by 8.36 rupees per litre. Until now, the VAT was at 30% in Delhi. Currently, the price of diesel is 81.94 per litre in Delhi, much higher compared to petrol, which is at 80.43 rupees per litre. Kejriwal said, and I quote, This is one of the several measures taken by our government to revive Delhi's economy. Earlier this week, we had launched a portal to connect job seekers with potential employers. Unquote. The chief minister further added that he will connect with several industry groups and experts over video conferencing to discuss more ways to revive Delhi's economy. After a series of hikes in prices, diesel was retailing at its highest ever rate in the national capital. In fact, diesel had been selling at a higher price than petrol. This happened because the Delhi government raised VAT on diesel sharply. Diesel rates have continued to be revised sporadically this month. The cumulative increase in diesel price since June 7 now totals 12.55 rupees per litre. Prior to June 7, oil companies had, for 82 days, not revised petrol and diesel prices as they adjusted a record increase in excise duty by the government against the fallen rates warranted due to international oil prices slumping to a two-year low. Before the start of a daily price surge, petrol was being sold at 71.26 rupees per litre in Delhi and diesel was being sold at 69.39 rupees per litre on June 6. Praising the new education policy released by the government yesterday, the Vice-Chancellors of Jawaharlal Nehru University and Jamia Millia Islamia described the policy approved by the Union Cabinet as a positive step. JNU VC M. Jagadesh Kumar said, and I quote, The approval of the NEP by the government is a positive step forward. NEP is the outcome of an extensive, highly participatory and inclusive consultation process. It aims at meeting existing challenges in education and building the foundation of India's promising future. We look forward to its implementation. Unquote. Calling the NEP groundbreaking, Jamia VC Najma Akhtar said, and I quote again, Higher education in India will now be holistic and multidisciplinary with a shared focus on science, arts and humanities. The NEP will create new opportunities for students in the domain of higher education. They can pursue education with a greater flexibility in a seamless learning environment. They can enter, exit and re-enter as per their convenience and career choices. A single regulator for all the higher educational institutions is a great idea as it will bring coherence of approach and purpose. It will realize the vision of education in India. Unquote. She also said that the focus on the use of new technologies will ramp up digital learning. The committee, which suggested changes to the education system under the National Education Policy or NEP, was headed by former ISRO chief K. Kasturi Rangan. The NEP was drafted in 1986 and last updated in 1992. The NEP was a part of the election manifesto of the Bharatiya Janata Party ahead of the 2014 elections. While the country is welcoming the new education policy with open arms, expecting it to change the country's educational scenario by leaps and bounds, NIA's arrest of Hani Babu, a Delhi University professor, stands as a contrast, an example of what state repression looks like. On July 28, the National Investigative Agency announced the latest in its string of arrests in the Bhima Koregaon case, the arrest of Professor Hani Babu. Babu is an associate professor who teaches linguistics at the Department of English at Delhi University and is a known anti-caste activist. 
The Bhima Korigao case relates to the clashes that erupted after the bicentennial celebrations of the Battle of Korigao in Maharashtra on December 31, 2017. The battle where a small contingent of Mahars defeated a massive Peshwa army is an important part of Dalit history, though it receives pushback from upper caste and right-wing groups. Several activists have already been controversially arrested in the case and accused of having ties to the banned Communist Party of India, Maoist. The accused include Varvara Rao, Rona Wilson, Anantel Tumre, Gautam Navlakha and Sudha Bhardwaj. Babu, according to a press release from the NIA, faces similar charges. He is also accused of propagating Naxal activities and Maoist ideology and being a co-conspirator with the other arrested and accused. Babu, who lives in Noida, was summoned by the NIA to Mumbai, an act that he called harassment by the state given that the country is in the middle of a pandemic. After three days of questioning in Mumbai, he was put under arrest. To know more about the arrest, do read Kanwar Raj Singh Sidhu's detailed report titled His Arrest is an Example of State Repression. Hani Babu's Students Denounces Arrest by the NIA. Meanwhile, three soldiers of the Assam Rifles were killed and at least six injured in an attack by militants in Manipur's border district of Chandel on Wednesday evening. The attack occurred at a place called Kongtal, which is very close to the Indo-Myanmar border at around 6.30pm yesterday. While an official statement from the army is awaited, a police officer in Chakpikarong, under which the area falls, said, and I quote, the Assam Rifles team was returning to their base at Kongtal when the IED exploded, followed by an indiscriminate fire, unquote. According to the police, the deceased have been identified as Havaldar Pranay Kalita, hailing from Assam, Rifleman Metha Konyak from Nagaland and Rifleman Ratan Salam from Manipur. Security officials suspect that the People's Liberation Army of Manipur is behind the attack. Coming on the heels of Independence Day, an insurgent attack on such a scale has occurred almost after three years in Manipur. And now for some international updates. Globally, more than 17 million people have been infected with the novel coronavirus. The death toll stands at more than 667,000. The United States continues to remain the worst affected with over 4 million cases, followed by Brazil and India. With infections and deaths continuing to climb in the US, researchers at the Johns Hopkins University are calling for a reset of the country's coronavirus response. The university said, and I quote, The COVID-19 pandemic is a challenge far beyond what any one state, territory or community can handle alone. It is only our collective action that will generate the change necessary to regain control of this epidemic, avoid cascading crisis in our healthcare system and economy, and save great number of lives throughout the United States. Unquote. Brazil has restarted international flights even as COVID cases in the country continue to increase at an alarming rate. The country has reported more than 2.5 million cases and over 90,000 deaths so far. At the drugs development front, South Korean healthcare firm Celtrion said it has received approval from British regulators for phase one of its clinical trial of its experimental coronavirus drug. Meanwhile, China's top epidemiologist at the Chinese Center for Disease Control and Prevention, Wu Zunyo, said that the virus seems to like colder, humid environment. He pointed to the country's COVID-19 outbreaks from the original source in Wuhan to Beijing and Dalian, which have been traced to seafood markets or seafood companies. During today's testimony before a congressional antitrust panel, Facebook Chief Executive Officer Mark Zuckerberg attacked Google and Apple. 
The hearing was virtually attended by Google head Sundar Pichai, Apple CEO Tim Cook, and his Amazon counterpart Jeff Bezos. The congressional hearing was held to confront the CEOs of the world's top technology firms on alleged abuse of their market power. Zuckerberg did not hesitate to use some sharp elbows, pointing out that Amazon is the fastest-growing advertising platform and Google is the biggest. Zuckerberg, who mostly seemed aghast at the questions thrown at him, said, and I quote, In many areas, we are behind our competitors. The most popular messaging service in the US is iMessage. The fastest-growing app is TikTok. The most popular app for video is YouTube. The fastest-growing ads platform is Amazon. The largest ads platform is Google, and for every dollar spent on advertising in the US, less than 10 cents is spent with us. Unquote. On being asked by Congresswoman Pramila Jaipal if Facebook had ever copied its competitors, Zuckerberg responded, and I quote, We've certainly adapted features that others have led in. Unquote. But he said that he had no knowledge of how many companies Facebook had copied. Zuckerberg was also asked if Facebook acquired photo-sharing app Instagram in 2012 because it was a business threat. He answered that the deal had been reviewed by the Federal Trade Commission and that Instagram at the time was a tiny photo-sharing app which could not compete with Facebook. That's all for today. Have a great day or a good night depending on where you're listening from. See you tomorrow. All the News Laundry podcasts are available on Stitcher, iTunes and any other podcast platform. Please subscribe to News Laundry. Help us keep news independent. To catch all our podcasts on news, pop culture, current affairs and sport, visit newslaundry.com. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram and subscribe to our YouTube channel.